I'm not free of tilt. I don't know anybody that is. And then focus and try to remember the times where I won with pocket jacks against pocket aces. You're not as good or as bad as you just played. The number one thing you could probably do is try to play more limit poker. Whereas, in reality, you're going to lose that poker a decent amount of the time, so you just have to be okay with that. Whenever we feel tilled, it could be many underlying feelings. And so I get more tilty because I made plays that didn't work. Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. We are officially sponsored by Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, and our partners who are contributing to this week's episode include the Poker is Fun Tour, PokerCoaching.com, and PeakPokerMindset.com. So today's topic, we're going to be uh, getting into a little bit of tilt control. So a lot of us go on tilt. The question is, how do we either prevent ourselves from going on tilt Or what do we do to get ourselves back playing our A game? So we're going to give a quick shout out to our official sponsor. Then I'll come back with my thoughts. You'll hear from some thoughts from uh, recreational players. And then later in the program, you'll hear from our resident experts. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps. Plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Okay, so what is tilt? For me, when I think about tilt, I think about those times when I let my emotions uh, drive me to play suboptimally, or somehow it, it pulls me out of my normal game. So the end result is that I'm making decisions that are either lower expected value or higher variance, or in some cases, both. And so for me, what tilt looks like is shoving under the gun with pocket fives with 15 big blinds left, or shoving queen eight from middle position with eight big blinds, or calling an early position raiser when I'm in middle position with ace three offsuit. Uh, It can also look like folding pocket tens to a single raise because I'm either gun shy or I want to take a break after just winning a big pot, or things like that. So how does this happen to me? I guess there's a couple of ways that I can go on tilt. I can go in a negative tilt, which is, I think, probably the most common things that people uh, are, are subjected to. So if I take a bad beat by somebody who made a bad call, um, and, and I get a little bit thrown off on this, not as much as some people. I mean, if I get a pocket kings and I bet big and somebody calls me with queen seven and they win, you know, I'm a, I'm a math guy, I'm a statistics guy, I want that call every single day of the week. Once in a while, that's going to beat me and I just have to live with it. But I can still give me a little bit on tilt, not so much because I'm mad at the person who made that play, but just because I'm mad because in that situation, I would have really liked it to have hold. Uh, I think where I go on neg- negative tilt more so is when I try to run a bluff, you know, a a two-barrel or a three-barrel bluff, and it went bad, and I lost a significant amount of my stack. Um, And so I get more tilty because I made plays that didn't work. It it may or may not have been the right decision to go after the pot, but either way, it didn't work, and I lost. And I go more on tilt that way than if I get sucked out on uh, by something that statistically is going to happen. 
The other thing that I, it may be my biggest tilt thing is when I go on positive tilt. And that's when I win a big hand. Either I get lucky or I just played really well or I made a good bluff to win a big pot. Whatever that is, when I win a hand or when I start stacking a lot of chips, it's easy for me to become too loose. Um, and so that is a form of tilt because emotionally I'm riding a high. I've got adrenaline rush. I'm not consciously thinking, ooh, now I have chips, I'm going to go crazy. It's just sort of an emotional reaction to winning a big pot is I get too loose. So I have uh, both lower expected value in some of those decisions, and I also have higher variance in some of those decisions. And in, in both cases, when I'm playing tournament poker, I'm trying to manage that relationship. I'm trying to maximize expected value relative to the amount of risk that I'm putting out there. So if I'm making decisions that have low expected value and or high variance, uh, those are suboptimal, and a lot of times that's driven by tilt, either positive or negative. So when I sense myself going down one of these roads, um, I have to look at how am I going to recenter myself? How am I going to get back to the game that I think is the optimal game for me and my personality and my style? And so what I tend to do to get myself back into that is I go back to my default ranges and sort of solidify the situation that I'm in. So I go back and I say, okay, what are my opening hand ranges? What's the default for those ranges? Oh, okay, well, it's it's pocket sevens and better, or ace ten suited and better in these spots. Okay, I'm going to go back to that and really focus on that, uh, sort of saying these are the hands I'm going to play. I'm going to look at how many big blinds do I have and, and do a realistic assessment of that. So if I can look at that and I say, I have 18 big blinds. I'm in fine shape here in this structure of a tournament. I don't need to be crazy. I'm fine. Tell myself that. I can look at the overall tournament situation. Where are we relative to the, the cash bubble or the final table? How far away are we from being relevant in this tournament? And then, you know, even sort of things, if, if I sense that uh, the guy made a bad call, I can say, you know, you wanted that call. Or if I got caught bluffing, convincing myself that that play will work a lot. So really trying to go back and look at the decision and not the result. So, but I think largely for me to recenter myself, I say, okay, what's the tournament situation? How many blinds do I have? What's my opening hand range default? And really kind of get back to the basics, if you will, uh, to kind of get myself back to logically making decisions that aren't driven by emotion. So those are my thoughts. Uh, we also received some audio from Rob Washam, Chris Gorton, and Taylor Moss, who are some of our recreational contributors. So you'll hear from them. And then after them, we will take a quick break. And then you'll hear from Jonathan Little, Mike Schneider, and Dr. Tricia Cardner. And then we will wrap up this episode. Okay, Steve, here we go. Uh, we're talking about tilt today. Your uh, request was tilt control. How do you prevent going on tilt? Well, if someone says that they never tilt, they're probably lying. Classic example of tilt is someone exploding at the table, berating other players or the dealer or even themselves. It's usually seen as a very public, noticeable display. People can control the physical manifestation of tilt, but no one is totally immune. In Tommy Angelo's book, The Elements of Poker, he posits that there are many formats of tilt. Steaming tilt, simmering tilt, too loose tilt, too tight tilt, too aggressive tilt, too passive tilt, entitlement tilt, annoyed tilt, injustice tilt, 
frustration tilt, sloppy tilt, revenge tilt, shame tilt, scared tilt, envy tilt. I just got shown a bluff tilt. Lots of ways a person can tilt. His definition of tilt is, tilt is any deviation from your A game and your A mindset, however slight or fleeting. So based on this definition of tilt, how do you prevent tilt? I don't. All a person can do is try to reduce the amount of time that they do not play their A game. I've been able to prevent certain forms of tilt. I don't experience entitlement tilt as much as I did when I first started playing poker. This would occur when I would play a big pot with the best of it and get sucked out on and lose. Gosh darn it, I was entitled to that pot. My A game would go out the window after that. I realized today that I actually want my opponent to get involved in a pot when I have the best of it. It hurts to get sucked out on, but instead of entitled, I now understand that it was just variance. On the other hand, too tight tilt will occur when I'm not properly bankrolled for the stake that I am playing or when I'm not comfortable with the players I'm playing against. I can recognize this, but actually doing something about it is another matter. In fact, when I try to overcome it, I subject myself to too aggressive tilt. Sloppy tilt will occur when I lose focus. When playing long session, this is more apt to happen. If I notice myself losing focus, I will try to bring myself back by standing up and stretching and then doing a Zen type of breathing exercise to bring me back to mindfulness and focus. Trisha Cardner use, uses a technique where you inhale to a count of six, hold for a count of two, and exhale to a count of eight. This will calm you down and help you to refocus on what's going on at the table. Needless to say, I'm not free of tilt. I don't know anybody that is. There's ways of controlling how bad you tilt, but there are definitely times when people are not playing their A game and other times when they are. Good luck, Steve. See you later. As for how do I prevent going on tilt? First off, don't play with money you can't afford or are not willing to lose. Then you're not as invested and can relax and have fun. Get plenty of rest and try to remember it is only a game. And in this game, it doesn't matter how good you are, you cannot win every hand. You need to get up and walk around from time to time to wake up and help clear your mind and keep the blood flowing. I try to pay attention when others are playing and see what that bad beats happen to them as well. Fate isn't just picking on me. And then focus and try to remember the times where I won with pocket jacks against pocket aces and got a jack on the river. If we get burned, uh, try to figure out what I did wrong and then can learn from your mistake and feel like got something out of it as a learning opportunity and try to remember what not to do next time. If you feel like you would do the same thing again next time, then it was just not your time. And so better chance we'll win in the same situation next time because I just used up one of the two and 10 times I'd be beat. If I didn't get knocked out, just being glad, still alive, and didn't get at all in, if I am knocked out, thankful I can still rebuy. And if 
I can't, then it really doesn't matter because by the time I play again, I won't be on tilt anymore. I uh, hope that helps. Have a wonderful day. Greetings, Rec Poker fans. This is Taylor Moss, and today we're talking about tilt control. How do you prevent going on tilt? I think the number one thing about tilt is understanding why are you going on tilt. Are you upset that you lost a hand? Are you upset with your recent results? I think a lot of this needs to be looked at in the bigger picture of things. So are you losing big hands? So do you have aces versus deuces and someone hit a deuce and you lost a big hand because of that? Well, you need to understand you're going to win that four out of five times and that 20% is going to hit a certain amount of the time. Now you may be seeing it more frequently than 20% if you look at it in a narrow scope of time, but think about a big picture. How many times have you had the favorite and held? It's always a give and take and things are going to revert back to the mean. So we have to be aware that although we are a favorite in a hand, we still aren't guaranteed to win until we've won the hand. The other thing is with results, and I think there's both positive and negative tilt that we can go on. Uh, we could be losing a lot of our tournaments and not cashing, and that happens for a lot of players. It's a very low uh, rate that people will cash in a tournament, and you can go 15, 20 tournaments in a row without cashing, and that can feel devastating and put you into a negative spiral and make you play worse. Likewise, you can go on positive tilt where you're winning a lot of hands, you're winning uh, at a higher rate than normal and you can think that you're better and that can change how you play as well. So I think you need to control your emotions and how you're feeling about recent results and think about a big picture. Uh, the phrase that I always tell myself is, after a session is over, I say, you're not as good or as bad as you just played. So if you got knocked out as one of the first players or if you went on and won the tournament, that's not a true indicator of how good of a poker player you are because there's this huge mean and huge sample size that you need to gauge yourself against. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. He's won a million dollars! Hey, this is Mike Schneider of the Poker is Fun Tour. You can find us on Twitter at PIFTPoker or on the internet at piftpoker.com. So today we're talking about tilt control, and I have a little bit different take than what I'm guessing a lot of my compadres are going to say. For me, I'd say the number of, if you suffer from a tilt control, the number one thing you could probably do is try to play more limit poker. Now I say that because, especially if you only play no limit tournaments live, you're simply not seeing that many hands per hour and just the nature of no limit hold'em. You don't go to showdown nearly as much, so there's not as many chances for you to get bad beat. Now on the converse, you go to limit hold'em. It's a regular thing. You get ace-king against ace-queen, you lose it. You get another three-outer, you get another three-outer. It happens over and over and over and over. And the more times it happens to you, 
quicker you get numb to it and realize that's just part of the game. So especially for me, like playing Limit Hold'em and 08 and double, especially Big O, where it's like 08, but you get five cards and you make a low hand and a high hand. And it seems like everybody has always drawing against you and everybody has outs and they get there or you flop the hugest draw in the world and you miss and all that stuff is really common. Like I, I feel like a lot of the Minnesota limit hold'em players that that play the no limit tournaments around here too, like I, I feel like they all handle the no limit suck outs and bad beats really, really well. It's probably because uh, a lot of us have put in years of time playing limit poker where we go to showdown all the time. We're used to seeing that, oh, we had the best hand on the flop in the turn and you got there on the river, but you were kind of priced in and you were supposed to try to get there. And I think that uh, a lot of eliminating tilt is just the more the more times those bad beats happen, the less they sting each dude. I mean, I realize it's slightly different. You lose one limit pot versus... You could have doubled up and been chip leader at, with 12 remaining. Instead, you're out in 13th place. Like, I get it's not exactly the same thing, a little bit different, but I, I honestly think that that has really helped my ability to, pray, to stay pretty even keel in no limit tournaments, no matter what happens, good or bad. And then, otherwise, I guess other things that you that I have done in the past or can do to try to prevent going on tilt is if I notice like there's stretches when I'm playing poker and I seem to be getting a little more frustrated or a little more on edge a little quickly simply take a few days off take a week off do whatever that isn't poker related and a lot of times those little breaks from poker leave you feeling refreshed and when you come back to the felt and start playing again you're excited to be there because you realize you missed playing and it's a good thing and and then uh, additionally, um, definitely an uh, option to listen to music while playing. Like say you're in a tournament and you don't have the option to quit, but you're feeling a little steamed about it. I mean, honestly, like I, especially playing tournaments, I seldom listen to music or put on headphones, but I usually bring them with so I have it as an option if I wish to. So definitely uh, music is another strong way to just, change everything out and and try to try to keep your focus while playing then lastly i mean you can also when you look at those hands after you are done playing go home and start running some calculations on them you can go on two dimes.net that's t-w-o-d-i-m-e-s.net and you can enter in your hand versus other hands on the pre-flop or on the flop or turn or wherever with what but whatever boards and it's just sometimes nice to be to reassure yourself that you are in fact just running bad versus oh like I thought I was a huge favorite there but actually not really or even just you know it's sometimes it's nice to pat yourself on the back and realize I did everything I could there but just sometimes when you're a 68% favorite with one card to come sometimes you're gonna lose in fact 32% of the time you are and then finally, too, like assuming you're a winning player, sometimes if you're in a losing streak, it's nice to just go back. If you keep records, which I hope you do, but if you keep records, just going back and looking through them and seeing, hey, I have one money play in this game. And it's just a nice little, 
again, nice little way to reassure yourself that uh, everything's going to be all right. I guess uh, that's probably about all I've got on the subject of tilt control. I'm sure some of the other fellers and, and ladies that are commenting might have some slightly different takes. But, yeah, I'd really recommend, even if you just just want to, I mean, fire off some steam, play some two-far limit hold'em at a casino or whatever, like, you'll, you'll quickly, once you get hours in there, like, it just helps you numb yourself. So yeah, I'd appreciate it if you uh, check out piftpoker.com just to kind of look around and see what my tour is about if you haven't already. Or otherwise, if you could give me a follow on Twitter, my personal account at schneidspoker, which is S-C-H-N-E-I-D-S-P-O-K-E-R. That's on Twitter. And until next time, this is Mike Schneider. Thanks and have a good day. People are like, are you little? Because your name says you're little. I say, no, I'm not little. Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little, and today we're going to talk a little bit about tilt control. And before we get started, I have a few books on general poker psychology called Positive Poker, Peak Poker Performance, and also there are chapters by Jared Tendler, Elliot Rowe, and Patricia Cardner in Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. So I have a lot of content discussing mindset, which also deals with tilt. Um... It's very important to realize that people tilt in various ways. Some people, yeah, probably most people, whenever things go poorly, they get annoyed and try to win their money back. They, they think that if they leave the table down, they're a loser and they are bad at life. Whereas in reality, you're going to lose that poker a decent amount of the time. So you just have to be okay with that and realize that you don't have to leave up every time. And uh, what often happens is you'll find people who pride themselves on the idea that they win most times they play. So they'll win one buy-in, you know, almost every time they play, but then they'll randomly have these huge losing sessions where they lose 15 buy-ins. And clearly, that's not good. So um, realize that you want to generally play when you are thinking clearly and soundly. And when things go poorly, sometimes that does impact the mindset of people. They start having negative thoughts or they have perhaps some nitty thoughts. Maybe, you know, they, they are playing against a tough lineup and they think, man, I'm outmatched here. So I'm just only going to play good cards, but clearly that's not a good strategy because then your opponents will realize you're the nit and they'll never pay you off. So you want to figure out what is happening that is causing you to tilt and how you are tilting. Um, I can very confidently say I have not been on any form of real tilt in years and that's just because I realize that you are going to lose at poker sometimes, and as long as you are playing well, that's all you can really do, right? Um, when I do go on tilt, it is because I made a poor play, and ideally, if you play generally well and you take your time and you think things through, you'll come up with at least reasonable plays. The problem is, is that it's often hard to even know if you are playing poorly, but if I do something that is really boneheaded... I typically, I often do get kind of upset with myself. What I usually do is I write it down in my notebook and I go back and I review it after the session and I just continue playing my best and realize there's no point in thinking about this now. Just make sure you don't do it again and, and move forward with life. But I think um, understanding variance in poker and just playing well and realizing that whenever you are playing poker, if you're a winning player, it's almost like you are the casino, right? Imagine at the casino at a roulette table if someone hits their number, imagine you bet on 33 or whatever, and it comes 33 three times in a row, is the casino unhappy? 
Like, no, the casino's thrilled because this guy's going to play forever now and he's going to lose his money. And I tried to think about poker in the same way. If you are a winning player, you are the casino. You are making money every single hand that's dealt. doesn't matter what happens in those hands because, you know, you're playing better than your opponents. And if you make better decisions than your opponents in the long run, you're going to make money. And if you look at the graphs of all big winning poker players, they have losing streaks in there. And quite often the difference between a big winner and a small winner or even a big winner and a loser is how they handle when things are going poorly. And you just have to realize when things are going poorly, it doesn't matter. I mean, every few days I get an email from someone saying something like, oh man, I was a winning player and then I had four out of five losing sessions and I lost all of my profits. And, you know, maybe the player's not playing well, but at the same time, four or five losing sessions is not significant. And you have to realize that the long term is very, very long in poker. And it takes a really, really long time to get there. So if you are winning over time, a long time, you really should not worry about any sort of reasonable downswings. And I think also just playing very comfortably bankrolled will help with this as well. Obviously, if you're a losing player, though, none of this will help you. You need to really just focus on getting better at poker because that's the first thing to do to, to accomplish that will decrease variance and just start making your win rate go up instead of <laughs> negative. All right, that's going to be it for me. This is Jonathan Little. You can check out my site at pokercoaching.com. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Trisha Cardiner. Till prevention is an extremely interesting topic, and it's one that people talk about all the time in poker, but I feel like there are some missing pieces to the tilt puzzle that I would like to fill in right now by giving you a little bit more background on what psychology has to offer in terms of dealing with emotions and particularly anger. So let's get started. First thing I want to say is that anger is a powerful emotion that everyone experiences from time to time when things don't go their way. And it's really important to understand that whenever we feel tilled, it could be many underlying feelings, negative feelings or emotions such as pain, fear, hurt, confusion, and or dark and difficult thoughts can all be propelling our anger or our tilt. Now, these experiences, while unpleasant and challenging, are also quite natural. If you play poker for any length of time, you are going to experience negative things at the table. This idea that we can not have feelings is one that I hear often. Poker players are like, it'd be so nice if I just didn't have these feelings, if I could play like a robot. Now, I want to discourage you from thinking about tilt or anger in this way, because while that may seem like the solution that you need, it isn't actually possible in practice because you don't have direct control over your feelings. Now that might surprise you, but feelings can pop up rather quickly and rather unconsciously, and then we end up acting out on them before we even know what has happened. Rather than changing the experience of tilt or problem anger directly, the challenge is going to be to change how you respond to it. And crucially, you do not fight fire with fire. That is, you don't deal with your negativity with more negativity. And that is the point that I really want to hit home with you. Now let's talk about when tilt or anger typically occurs. 
It is typically going to occur when you feel threatened, attacked, insulted, or wronged in some way. And what happens from a neuropsychological standpoint is that a fight or flight response is triggered. And when this gets triggered, what happens is that we can experience a wide range of difficult thoughts, emotions, and bodily sensations. For example, when you feel like you have been wronged at the table, something has happened to you that is unfair, you may start to feel tense, angry, and anxious. You might start making negative evaluations of the other players at the table in that thinking they're so stupid, or how could they do that, or you'd never play like that, you know, things like that. You might become less inhibited in your behavior, and that you might say or do things that you ordinarily wouldn't. And even after the fact, you might even wonder, why did I say that, or why did I do that? You might experience a faster pulse rate, muscular tension, and increased perspiration. And here's a big one. Oftentimes, when we are in that tilt mode, we start ruminating to an excessive degree. That means we start thinking and replaying in our mind over and over that bad, horrible thing that just happened to us. And this is quite significant because when we are busy ruminating, we are not able to pay attention to what is going on in front of us. And so that can actually make our situation all that much worse. Now, what's interesting about the brain is when this fight or flight response is triggered, it makes it very difficult to manage because it propels you into action. So the way the brain works is it pretty much looks at any threat as though you either need to stand your ground and fight or run away. Freezing is also an option too, but it is not as common. And as you can see, if you're going to do those things, either fight or run away, you are being propelled into action. So even though when we're sitting at the table, having those kinds of thoughts and feelings and that sort of impulse, it's not really helpful, but it's what automatically happens. And when that automatically happens, it can be very difficult to respond in a different, more effective manner. When you're thinking about your own tilt responses, I do want you to really pay attention to this impulse to act because you will notice that the impulse to act almost always occurs very quickly after whatever the triggering event was. And usually the impulse is to do something that is unlikely to result in a positive outcome for you. Now, what typically happens after we experience this impulse to act is that we try to handle it in one of two ways. We either act out, which involves a physical or verbal type aggression towards other people generally, or we try to suppress it, which means we try to push it down rather than interacting with it in some healthier outlet. Now, I do want to put a caveat here. In past years, Many psychologists believe that the way to deal with anger was to vent it and get it out. But we now know that venting anger and getting it out is actually quite negative and it is not the way to deal with anger. Pushing it down, though, is not a healthy outlet either. So let's just take a few minutes and I'm going to go over a few things that you can do. I do just want to point out to you, and you probably already figured this out, that Tilt and anger is a part of a much more complex psychological process, which involves a range of difficult emotions such as fear, embarrassment, shame, all sorts of things. But the key point 
that I want to get across to you is that you can make a choice between your impulse to act and the act itself. There is a space, and sometimes in psychology, we talk about it as the space between stimulus and response. So the real goal in dealing with tilt involves becoming more aware of this choice space between the stimulus and the response. Recognizing that you can pause to consider how to respond to a situation that makes you angry means you can choose to affect the outcomes that are good for what's most important to you. One of the most important things that you can do to manage your tilt better is to become aware of when you start having angry thoughts because those are generally a precursor to you making a choice after an impulse. So they trigger the impulse. A real good trick for this is to be aware, so paying attention, and then literally say to yourself, I'm having the thought that he's playing like a donkey and he just sucked out on me or whatever. But this prefix, I'm having the thought that it really starts to make you able to observe yourself. So you're able to look at yourself almost from afar and it detaches you a little bit from your angry thoughts. In psychology, we call this diffusing. And that really should be your goal is to diffuse with angry thoughts. So you're not stomping it down. You're not saying, oh, go away and ignoring it. But what you're doing is you're standing back and you're almost looking at it like a third party observer. And you say, you know what? I notice right now that I'm having the thought that he shouldn't be playing this way. Or I'm having the thought that I shouldn't be getting so unlucky you know, whatever your trigger thoughts are, being able to stand back and look at them that way, it just gives you some distance and it's a much healthier way of dealing with them. You need to learn how to acknowledge your anger as it occurs and when you feel it. That's always the first step is figuring out why you're experiencing the anger or the tilt and what actually lies beneath it. Then the second thing is accepting the situation as it is. Now this can be challenging, but you cannot turn back the clock. And expending energy, fusing with thoughts about you would do, or you should have done, or you could have done, that's all pointless, and it's not going to be any more helpful than actually trying to control your emotions. Third, and again, explore and understand what lies beneath your anger. What painful emotions underlie the prickly exterior of your tilt and anger? What is it that your anger is attempting to help you achieve or help you avoid. If you don't respond to the source of your anger, you don't understand the source of your anger, it's very difficult to respond to it differently. And then I want you to respond to your feelings with kindness and compassion. We all have sensitive, painful issues that come up for us. Acknowledge that you find dealing with them difficult and allow yourself to respond in a way that makes you feel better. But having said that, I don't mean, you know, slapping somebody upside the head, throwing cards or losing your bankroll. I mean doing positive things. Acceptance involves being open to your experiences without trying to avoid or change them. And it's not particularly easy It involves being willing to be in contact with these unwanted or painful experiences that happen at the table, and that does not come easily. I also want you to know that it's an ongoing process that you have to keep engaging in, and it's not a single event. Tilt is the kind of thing that it's going to come and go because issues are going to happen at the table all the time. I would just encourage you to have a bit of compassion and kindness towards yourself. Everyone struggles 
with negative feelings. It's just a part of life. But being aware of and open to these experiences without feeling like you have to respond on your impulses is what is going to really help your poker come to its full potential. The most important thing that I hope you take away from this is that you can begin to make a choice when angry thoughts and feelings emerge. You can respond to them aggressively and accept the negative consequences, or you can accept them as a valid part of your poker playing experience and then choose how you want to respond to them. Knowing what you value and what's most important to you is useful because that can help you decide what to do. So if you really value being a poker player and you want to be a winning, successful poker player, then that's what you value and you need to make choices that are going to be in line with those values. Doing that, describing and thinking about what you want at the poker table is what is going to help you make a better decision when you get into that space between stimulus and response. So the long and the short of this talk is that the solution to tilt does not lie in eradicating your feelings. It lies in developing a new relationship with your angry, tilty thoughts and feelings so that you can respond to them differently. You do this by accepting your experiences just as part of the game and showing compassion and kindness towards yourself and to others. You can deal with your anger in the same way that you manage any other difficult emotion or behavior by choosing how to respond to it. So hopefully these tips help you out and you are able to better deal with your tilt at the table going forward. Let me know how it goes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Trisha Cardner or go to my website, drtrishacardner.com and let me know how you're doing. Until next time, keep working on that mindset. Okay, so that's it for today. You've got all the answers you could ever wish on tilt and tilt control. Well, hopefully hopefully it helped you. Uh, It's sort of a big subject, but hopefully there were some insights there that uh, resonated with you. As always, I'm open to your your, uh, feedback on Facebook, Twitter, or email. I would love to hear your thoughts on on this approach and looking at tilt control. Uh, Next week, we're going to be back with another hand situation that we'll dig into deeper. It's a hand uh, that was played by Jason Ackerman. Uh, some suited gapper, uh, suited gapper hand with a lot of questions on it that should be really interesting. Uh, so any feedback you give is, is super helpful. If you have a hand scenario that you want to ask about, write it up with as much detail as possible. Email it to me at stevefredland at gmail.com. Otherwise, we will uh, chat with you next week.